Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Yallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Carl McDuff and as ever, joining me are the Dream Team, starting with Ian McCready. Nice to be here. Good to have you, Mr Craig McAdam. Hi everyone. And rounding off the Collins Angels lineup, Scott Hodge. Alright lads. All good, Scott, all good. So, a lot to uncover in this week's episode. We'll go straight into it. On Wednesday morning, Castor officially re- revealed the new home kit, although most of us would have seen that the kit was doing the rounds on on Twitter and Facebook the night before. But the official launch was Wednesday morning. Ian, I'll start with you. First things first, are you a fan of the new kit? I am, yeah. like it. Nice, fairly simple design, um, which we spoke about when we done our, our kit show that we, we all kind of seem to like a simpler design. Um, yeah, I like it. It's very, very, quite similar to last season's thought. Um, but, yeah, first one questions were good for me. What about yourself, Craig? I know you pre-ordered it. Is that because you are a fan or are you just a loyal supporter? Both. Um, I'm what you call a mug punter. If Rangers are selling, I'm buying. Rangers were selling a kick in the balls for 40 quid, I'd get two of them. So I was there, 7.59, hitting refresh, ready to get it ordered. So i happy with it. Um, good design, everything we hear about Castor is all about the good quality of it. So looking forward to getting it through the door. So I'm the same as you two. I, 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 I went in a rant on the, the kit show that we've done that it just has to be simple right none of your bells and whistles with the home kit just a plain blue tap a wee bit of a different colour that's fine I'm delighted with it Scott why are you so negative towards this kit and we'll tell you why you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) no I'm not really negative I think it's a nice top but I think I think it's just so similar to 
to last season's slip. I'm sure, as Craig mentioned, the quality is going to be good because all that products are enough to bankrupt someday, to be fair. So I think it's going to be a lot better quality in that one. But I can't really see much. Like the calls are like the same. I've never really seen a Rangers top like that before with like that call, so it's not as if it's traditional or anything. I think it's just quite... The design of it's quite lazy, to be honest. But it's nice, nice top, but I can't see much difference between last season. Is it lazy or purposely traditional? Could be, could be. It's all about interpretation, eh? Right. Right. So I think, see, with um, getting fashion advice here off of Scott, for the benefit of the listeners, I think you should talk us through his haircut at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just for just a little bit of background, Scott and I share a home. We live together. Uh, and <laughs> I can <laughs> Craig perfectly described it as a white Mr. T uh, but he doesn't have anywhere near enough in Toby's head to justify an afro it's uh, as if <laughs> I think I'll be getting the clappers back out and just start a one-off so. <laughs> uh, no, back to the kits I'll swiftly move along to, to change the subject but um, actually I really like the training the training kit Um I think there's been, it's really nice. I've seen the, the navy blue one. I think we got the first look at that this week as well, and I thought that was really nice. So I think I'll probably get a few training tops over, over the home top. If the last season, I don't see a big difference in that. Yeah, I was actually looking at getting maybe the training top and the home top, but I failed the credit check for it. I can't fucking afford that. <laughs> <laughs> so just on, Ian, I'll come to you first. Uh, before we go on to what happened later on Wednesday night, how did you how did you like the launch video? Uh, are you like me? I'm, I'm a sucker for these like emotional videos and you know cheesy as fuck. I know, but um, I buy any of that stuff. What did you think? I liked it. I liked the way they done it with the, the you know the kid getting the top for his dad, and then you know it comes full circle at the end where. He's, his dad reappears when he's buying his kid the top. I like that, like you say, the, the kind of tug on the heartstrings thing gets you, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was tastefully cheesy. Yeah. So it was a pretty successful launch all in. I think we're I think we've either just broke fifty thousand sales or we're close to it. But on Wednesday night. There was some news that came out which threatened to dampen the mood on the day in general. Sports Direct, they released a, a promotional statement saying that they will be selling the club as of the 1st of August. The club were quick to come out and shed a bit of light on that, basically saying that Castor, while they are the club's kit manufacturer, they are free to do business with whoever they want. Craig, I'll come to you for this. Is this something that, as Rangers fans, we just need to suck up? Or is there something more the club could have done? If we take out our emotion and history from it, that's that's a normal thing to do. Like, as much as we don't want to buy anything from Sports Direct, it's you could go into Sports Direct and buy a Man United top, a Real Madrid top, you could buy anything. So it is a, a sort of normal way of distributing your kits. Um but I'll be buying direct. So that's a really key point. The club legally cannot come out and say, don't buy from Sports Direct. It's available there, but don't buy from it. But that's the joy of fan media, social media, platforms such as ourselves. The club can't say that. 
the club can't come out and say that fuck Sports Direct and Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley is a scumbag who looks like a failed darts player who's battling a stroke. The club can't say that. <laughs> I can. I can. Okay. So, whistles. <laughs> do with that information as you will. Scott, do you have anything to add on the the club launch or any further insults heading Mike Ashley's <laughs> I think you covered it quite nicely. But no, I thought it was a good launch. I thought the video was, was really good. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing them. Yeah. And... Yeah, all in all, I, I I wouldn't let that dampen our day. Uh, it's just a reality that it's going to be, they're going to have Rangers chats going forward. But I think, in general, our fans, our fans' attitude towards Sports Direct won't lead to any massive amount of money making in the upper half. So, moving on to some other big news. Rangers announced a restructure of the the Youth Academy and the Development Academy. So there's a lot of moving parts, but the main points that we'll see going forward. Kevin Thompson and Brian Gilmore Gilmore, sorry, Brian Gilmore, will move up to coach the B team, formerly known as the under twenty ones, now that Peter Lovingrant has moved on. Graham Murty has been appointed the head of Elite Academy Development. That's more of a role with less hand-on with players and more of an operational background role overseeing the main operation. Cameron and Cam- Cameron Campbell and Stephen Smith have both joined the setup, and the setup is now slightly different. It's going to be split into three development phases: foundation phase, youth development phase, professional development phase, and then the B team will be completely separate altogether. Uh, a lot to unpack there. Craig, I'll start with you first. We'll start at the top. Peter Lovingcran seemed to have done done a pretty decent job. Are you sad to see him go? And what's your thoughts on Kevin Thompson getting that gig? Uh, it seems to be reports Lovingcran is away to China, which is a bit of a an odd one out of the blue. Um, but if if you want to be a manager, which I think is his plan, he'll need to. He can't always stay in the youth. So he needs to make a move at some point. Um, so by all accounts he's done well and he's a good coach so um, if he wants to go on to the next stage it's maybe his time for him to leave uh, same with Kevin Thompson he obviously hasn't hidden the fact that he wants to be the manager one day um, so it's a wee step up from him going into the, the B team rather than working with the youths that he has been doing but the same for him if he wants to actually be the, the Rangers manager one day we can maybe only keep him there for a, a year or two before he have to go out and get first team experience somewhere or the flip side if Touch wood, it doesn't happen, but if it doesn't work out with Gerard, then you'll maybe see Thompson getting chucked in the deep end, and we'll see if he sinks or swims in. Um, but I, I think it's a good move for him to step up, but he'll need to make another move in the next year or two if he wants to keep progressing. Very good point. Ian, Ross Wilson's been a busy, busy man. I thought this summer it would just be all about the first team operation, considering how, how big this season will be for the first team, but it's quite encouraging to see that he's focused on the academy as well, what do you think? It's, do you know what it is? It's, see, when you've got a guy that actually knows what he's doing, and he can juggle more than six balls at a time, but looks at it, because he's juggling like new academy structure, he's juggling the first team, he's kit launching, stuff like that, he's, he's just got everything going, and 
he's, he, he knows what he's doing, obviously. Um, so hopefully going forward it, it pays off. And I, I've seen that he's, he's, his reason for this is to copy more of the English structure, which he's obviously very familiar with at Southampton, who have had a very good youth system themselves. So hopefully we can start to see the benefits of that. That English model rather than because I don't think our youth system is that great. Like in terms of players that come through to the team, currently Ross McCrory and well McGregor as well, but he's been away and back. And so I think uh, sorry. No, I think that's why I'm really interested in this splitting the the academy into three phases: foundation phase for really young kids, the youth development for ages 12 to maybe 16, 17 by the looks of it, and then the professional development phase for players who are on the brink of getting first team football or breaking into the first team area, and then the B team looks as if it's going to be those, the likes of your Nathan Patterson, Sky Kennedys, who are in and around the first team but maybe not getting regular game time, they are getting they're getting treated. They're getting treated with a, a different, different level of care, different mentality. Because I think, I think the big problem we have is we do have really talented youngsters at seventeen, eighteen, even nineteen year old level, but they never make the jump. So it looks as if it's more, it's more of a planned approach and a pathway for youngsters. So, just on one of the youngsters we have, he didn't actually come out of our own youth system. Jake Hasty has went back on loan to Motherwell. So obviously we signed him from Motherwell last season and loaned him out to Rotherham. He made 15 appearances for Rotherham before coming back once the pandemic broke out. Scott, do you find this is a good move for Jake Hasty? I think it is, yeah. I think it was a mixed, mixed spell sort of at Rotherham. I remember when he first went there, I think he was flying, good few goals, and then sort of fell, he fell away and he got recalled, didn't he? So I think uh, as people have been sort of questioning the decision for from uh, from for us signing him, and I think it's a bit harsh because we signed him at 20 years old, Scottish player, um, done really well on the SPL, and we knew he wasn't going to be a, a regular starter. You know, probably a fringe player, probably go on loan as well. So I think we need to be doing more of that business and loading them out. I think Motherwell will be good for him. Obviously, he's comfortable in that environment from from making the, the breakthrough there. So hopefully, um, as I say, he'll get a, be a bit more consistent. Maybe the chance to play in Europe and if, as I say, if he keeps the level up for the full season, gets some good numbers on the board as well in terms of goals and assists, which I think is one of his qualities. He could come back, come much better player, and actually push for a first team place. Craig, a lot of the negativity surrounding this from Rangers fans is the fact that we're sending them back to Motherwell. So there's three big questions: Why are we sending them from Motherwell just to send them back? Two, why are we doing business with Motherwell with all the politics going on? And three, why would we send him back to a club where he was booed before he signed? Because he signed a pre-contact and they were, I think they were booing him the last couple of games because he signed for us. Are they legitimate concerns or do we need to separate the emotion for the football? 
I actually think that's a move we should have done last year for him. I think we should have signed him and just sent him straight back there because he was coming on to a game comfortable in that environment. Um, so I think that's what we should have done last year. As soon as we signed him, just sent him back. Um, I, actually, I can understand the, the argument, people saying they don't want to do business with other SPL teams and don't want to help them out because the way they think about our club. But I, I actually think it's something we should be doing more of because it gets players used to the teams that we normally play against, environments we normally go to, the stadiums. Um, it's obviously a different pressure playing for Motherwell than Rangers, so that's not quite the same, but it's the same surroundings. Um, and a big side of it as well is if he goes there and does well, when they're playing Celtic, he could have a good game against them and get a goal or two. And then when it comes to them playing against us, he can't play for us uh, for Motherwell. So instantly that weakens their team and gives us an advantage, granted. Um, so I think it's something that we should do more of. Uh, it seemed like Celtic do it with Ryan Christie. He was up at Aberdeen and then he went back to them and made a big impact. So I, I, I can understand the argument for not wanting to send players to, to other Scottish teams, but I think it's, it's something we should be doing more of. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Craig. Ian, the biggest point I think Craig touched on there was he's playing in the SPFL. Yes, it's a different team, different standard. We know teams raise their games against Rangers. We know there's more pressure to play for Rangers. But ultimately, this is a division we need Jake Casey to perform in if he's a Rangers player. So that's why I'm, I'm happy to give him the chance. Does, in terms of him realistically breaking into the Rangers first team, does he have to set the header alight this season or does he have to have a decent season then come back as a, a squad player to Rangers? What are you looking for him this year? Uh, I'd hope he'd go back to Motherwell and be have the same impact as he did before we signed him. He scored a lot of goals for them when he, when he broke through there. Um, I think that's what they'd be looking for because like you said, when he went to Rotherham Rotherham played um, three up front at first, and he was banging the goals in for fun. And then they changed to a four-four-two, which didn't suit him at all. Um, but hopefully, when he goes back to Motherwell, we'll see him recapture the form that, that ultimately led to us signing him. Um, my one worry with this loan is the position he plays is still a position we needed to cover prior to loaning him out. So. Are we now looking for maybe two players in that position? No. Um, although, what he will get him other well now is regular football. Um, so, should AD's development. And I do think that loaning, loaning players in the SPFL makes a lot of sense because, as Craig said, they can play against Celtic, um, which is going to, could ultimately benefit us. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think the same sentiment stretches to Stephen Kelly, who we spoke about last last week as well. I think it's a no-brainer, providing it's the right, providing it's the right club, and you know they're going to get regular football. Just on the regular football, Scott. This is maybe similar to how Liverpool will treat us. Oh, how Liverpool could treat us with the likes of Ojo and Kenneth First and Aribo. I don't see any reason why Jake Hastie shouldn't be in the Motherwell starting 11. But should the club be pushing Motherwell for guarantees that he gets regular football like Liverpool up here to do with us? Aye, definitely. I think, well, I've mentioned that a few times, we are held to ransom a bit with 
with Liverpool. I don't know what's in the agreement if they need to play a certain percentage of games or something. And then, you know, for Pan, it was the same Ejaria, wasn't it? Like, we felt like we had better options, but we had to play him. Kent was obviously a good example. Ojo started brightly and then faded. So I think we should be putting a bit of pressure on him because there's no point in him going there just to be on the bench. And I think it's a difficult situation because you don't want to to be quite overwhelming with him and say you must play him every game because it's probably not the right thing for Hasty. It could burn out, it could more chance of an injury. So there has to be a balance, but you do expect them to play most weeks. Um, you can't you can't imagine Motherwell going far and like Europe. You never know, but at the end of the day, they'll just be playing, you know, the 30, 30, is it 38 games or something, so that should be fine, cup games, but you should be looking to play 80% of them, feeling no injuries or whatever. So. Yeah. So, yes. there is a, there's a break clause in it in January, so if it's not working out, we can always take them back and do something else with them. Like and if he's also if he's also performing well, I was just going to say that Ian. Yep. Sorry, you know you go. Yeah, I, so I think it works twofold. If it's not working at Motherwell, then bring him back and send him elsewhere. And if it is working, if he's if he's banging in the goals again, playing well, you bring him back and get him in the team. I think it's maybe one like see when you look at our loan players last season, like Middleton, he went out to to Hibs didn't work for him, then he went to Bradford, Jake Hasty. I think we need to be putting a bit more, I, I don't know how, it's obviously Ross Wilson that's sort of arranging these, but they need, need to probably have a better discussion beforehand, say, well, what's your plans for him in this team? Is he going to be not first choice or whatever? Because it hinders them a wee bit if they have, and it puts a bad taste in maybe some fans, like, or if he can't, like for Middleton for example or if he can't get a game for Hibs how is he meant to come into the Rangers team if you know what I mean so I think there needs to be a better communication like when arranging these deals as well I think that you know come to you I think that this is just the start of the process because Rangers last season I can't remember the guy's name but we've hired a loans manager who looks after the the players out and loan from the club and is part of he's He's part of the process in making the decision for where, what player goes well in the right club and finding the right mould. Is this maybe something that over time we'll get better at? So when Middleton went to Hibs, Heckenbottom was the manager, wasn't he? And then Jack Ross comes in. So Middleton's been a wee bit unlucky in the fact that the manager has taken him to the club has then been sacked. Um I think it probably was the right team because they play they play a kind of that three up front, don't they? At Hibs. They switched and then it was well, didn't they? They switched to a diamond in the midfield, so that's maybe what you know why. But so so when he did go when when we did consider Hibs, it, it looked like a good fit. It was the same way hastily at Rotherham. When we considered Rotherham, it was a good fit. But circumstances have changed at these other clubs, so I don't know if that did we really get it wrong. Was it just a case of bad luck where circumstances at that, that club that we've sent them to change? Uh, I think Stephen Kelly's loan worked out. Ross McCrory's loan, uh, Robbie McCrory's loan worked out. Ross McCrory's as well has has been all right. Um, so I, I think that, that it could have just been down to bad luck 
with uh, with those two and circumstances at the club changing. Keg, it's uh, Bill, it's Billy Kirkwood that's the loan manager. So he's somebody that's been at the club for many years. Um, he's done different sort of coaching the last few years, and last year he got appointed the loans manager. So I think that's something that's maybe more common down in England. Um, could you get teams like Chelsea and Man City that have like fifty players out in loan, so they need people to, to watch that? It's something we brought in last year, so hopefully it does have an impact. And I think yeah, it's good that you touched on Stephen Kelly and. Robbie and Ross McCroy there, Ian, as well, because we are kind of focusing on the, the players who haven't made an impact yet and yet been the optimum world because these are all still really young guys. I think we'll really be able to tell how successful we've been in the next year or two if they do break into the first team. It must be some job being a loan manager. I don't know what you would do for most of it. Is it a part-time job or something? <laughs> <laughs> Just go watch a couple of games. I'll go down to the this week and then whatever uh, well, I think it's class it's an absolute dream if you get your travel expenses <laughs> exactly uh, but if you need to pay your own travel then <laughs> I'll do it for fun just watch match for the <laughs> watch the highlights and Sky Sports so touching on Robbie McCroy there news came out this week that he's signed a three year deal a three year extension with the club for me I, I just think this is a teaser before we announce his loan uh, does anybody disagree with that? Or we're all happy that he'll be out and loan next season? Yeah, I reckon that's pretty straightforward, that one. Um, similar to what we've done with Stephen Kelly. It's obviously a young player that we rate, so you get them in a long-term contract and then send them out. Um, he's still only 22, which, especially for a goalkeeper, is really young. Because um, when McGregor started playing, becoming first choice, he was 23, 24, and even then that was fairly young for a goalkeeper. So McCrory's probably easily six, eight years away from actually reaching his peak as a goalkeeper. Uh, if you look at the loan moves he's had before, it's Berwick Rangers, Martin, Queen of the South and Levy, so he's kind of stepped up everything. So again, if he goes back to Levy, I think that'd be a decent move or another SPFL club. Uh, maybe if you get a championship team in England, but uh, that's maybe a wee bit more unlikely, but it's, it's definitely the right thing to be doing for him. For me, I I think I mentioned this maybe a couple of weeks ago. I'd like to see him go to Motherwell, just where, you know, how how they set up. Uh, they, they've always been a physical team and invited teams to be physical against them. So we'd have that challenge. But last season, they got playing a bit more better football. So I think that would have been the right fit for Robbie McCrory. Now that Jake Hayes is away there, I think I, I, can't, see his, I can't see his loaning two first-teamers to Motherwell or two two players who will be first teamers for Motherwell Ian do you have any preference where Robbie McCrory should go nah not really No, nah, I think it's it's he's never going to get the experience playing for anybody else that he'd, ha- he'd, that he'd need playing for Rangers so I think just an SPFL club or maybe an English Championship club um, I know he was linked with West Ham um, they were actually trying to sign him um, but yeah, I, I, do you know what? Like Craig mentioned, the whole step up and um, loan deals. I think we'll maybe seeing that with Stephen Kelly as well. Where I'd like to see that maybe more in future. Where we send a, maybe Kai Kennedy this season, send them to League Two, and then next season we send them to League One, and then they, you know the Championship. By the time he's twenty-one, he should have three seasons under his belt, progressing each year, and. 
it's, I think that would be a good model to follow. Get these guys playing games against proper proper professionals. That's a really good point. I, I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's something like just north of 100, 100 first team appearances Robbie McCrory's made over his loan spells, and he's only 21. It's the same with Jake Casey. I checked that this morning. He's had 85 first team appearances for Motherwell, Aloha, Rangers, and Rotherham. 85 and he's just turned 21. So that's, you know, these boys have had a lot of game time already and they're still improving. Just uh, while we are on the subject of goalkeepers, we mentioned Robbie McCrory potentially being back up a few weeks ago, depending on who we signed. I brought a suggestion that we should sign Mark Gillespie and I was laughed out the door. Mark Gillespie has just signed for Newcastle United. No, he's he's no good for the Scottish Premiership, but he's good enough for Newcastle United. Who's the mark now? Not a chance, he'll be first choice, but... <laughs> no, but... We'll be doing a podcast in October 2020 and Mark Gillespie would have saved two penalties at the Etihad and then I'll be coming on with my smug tie on. Get up, please. (laughs) We laugh, we joke, but we need to cover the bad stuff as well. Some very sad and upsetting rumours over the weekend that... MLS side New England Revolution are working on a deal to take away our very own American sweetheart Brittany Poster. (laughs) (laughs) As part part of this deal her husband Matt will be signing for the club. (laughs) A moment for Brittany. So Scott Matty boy going ah are you sorry to see him go if he does go? More for his bird, to be fair. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think when we signed him, it was a bit of a weird signing. Um, I know it was a Bosman and things, but never really expected him to to play much. So I'm not really fussed either way if he, if he does go or, or not. I think 300k is quite decent, especially in the last year of his, his contract. To be honest, I think he's only played eight games or something, and I don't think he's done much wrong. Um, and he's been quite unlucky actually not to, to play more but I think more the question for, from our side is do we need a replacement for him and I would probably say we don't I think if we're going to give Patterson a few more minutes and if Frost McCrory stays as well he's played a lot of football at a right back I would obviously like to see Ross McCrory in a more natural position but at the end of the day we're not going to drop a captain or rest him for anything so I think we've got enough options at right back and it probably is the best thing for him to go to give Nathan Patterson a bit more game time. As I say, Ross McCrory could play there quite comfortably as well when needed. And as I say, Tav probably isn't going to miss much football. So it was just a, a wage, you know, we're just basically a wage which could be saved elsewhere. So I think it'd be a good move for, for all parties, to be honest. Just on the replacement so, Ian, I'll, I'll come to you first. Are you comfortable if Tavernier was to get injured, touch what he doesn't, if he was to get injured for two or three months in October, that Ross McCrory or Nathan Patterson, either of them can go in and play, you know, 10, 15 games across Europa League level in the Cups and at Parkhead, for example. Are you comfortable that that 
that'd be a good enough replacement for Tavernier. Uh, I am. And then, so I think if you throw McCrory in there, what you get is a better defender than Tav. So I think you'd, you'd lose something going forward, but you might ultimately gain defensively for me because McCrory's a far better defensive-minded player than Tav is. You probably do lose quite a lot. You lose an awful lot with Tav if you take Tav out going forward. Uh, but then, to be honest, I've not watched that much of Portsmouth, so I don't know how much Ross McCrory's actually does get forward, if that's been the case. Um, he had a nightmare the other night in a playoff game. I've seen a wee bit of that, and he sold the jerseys for the was it Oxford they were playing. I think Oxford. they equalised, and it came from a McCrory get caught high up the pitch and lost the ball, um, and then he gets subbed after about an hour. But I've, apart from that, I've not seen too much of him. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I get that when I say this, I will, it will be biased because I've made... I've made it no secret I'm a massive fan of Ross McCrory. I run the Ross McCrory Loyal Rangers Supporters Club. I, I can't <laughs> see past him. I had a howler the other night, right? Cards on the table, but he, when he's had the chance at right back, when he's been fit, it's been surprising. He's very athletic. Obviously, he still has to improve on the ball a bit. He's not as... He's not as... He's... What's the word I'm going for? He's not in, as composed as Tavernier on the ball, but almost kind of like Alan Hutton. You don't really, he's never really had a chance to show at Rangers how quick he is, how fit he is. We know how strong he is, but because he was always protecting the defence in the middle of the park, he is really athletic. So a different type of attacking fullback, I think, I think he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't ruin a game plan if he went in a right back uh, instead of Tavernier. So, oh, you I think I think I think Parsons probably, from what we've seen, I think he's probably more along the lines of Tav. It's just would I trust him at Parkhead? Would I trust him away in Europe or in Europe at all? That's where I'd have a concern with Parsons. But but you know, we're never going to know until we throw him in at Parkhead or in Europe. So. I know, and I think that's why if we do consider Patterson as a potential a potential part of the first team squad this year, he has to be maybe battling out with someone as second choice right back. I think he's somebody that we do need to ease into the team just because of how important that role is to our game. Yeah, I think I think Patterson's 
think uh, I see the point you made in like would you be comfortable with Patterson would you feel comfortable with Polster as well you know what I mean I, I wouldn't feel too comfortable with you know what I mean coming up against and you know for example the Braga game or the, the Celtic game I, I, I wouldn't be too I don't, wouldn't see much of a difference between McCrory or you know what I mean and Polster well, Craig I'll, I'll ask you I don't think Polster done too much. I can't remember Polster having a howler. I remember when he came on, he looked decent. Uh, he, he wasn't quite to his level, but I think the games he did feature it, it was really when we were having our, our poor spells, but I actually thought he was all right. I'm not gutted that he's gone, but are we maybe doing him a disservice that he maybe didn't quite get the chance? Uh, I think he's probably a better player than, than we've seen of him. Uh, Tav's get injured, for example, we might have seen more of him, but Tav's just so, he's just a brilliant athlete that he's barely misses a game and hardly gets injured, apart from Nodwee's spell when we did see Patterson and uh, Patterson and Polster come in at the, the start of the year for a wee while. Um, so he probably is a better player than we've actually seen of him, and any time he, he did play, he didn't really do much wrong. Uh, but I mentioned it, I think it was last week or the week before, at a certain point, we need to give the young guys a chance, otherwise what's the point in having an academy? Um, just sell the academy and put all the money in the first team if we're not going to give people a chance. So uh, if, if Polster is going, I'm happy with McCrory and uh, Patterson to be, be given a shot. So I think we're all kind of fairly agreeing there then. So moving on to the last point of today, the club have announced that the Player of the Year awards is uh, the voting is now open for all fans to go and vote on the player of the year, young player of the year, as well as goal of the season. I'm always kind of loved to to, <laughs> to discuss this when we've not won the league. I know I go in a wee bad mood and I was like, ah, we didn't win the league with our shite, but I think we need to look at it objectively. So, so I'll come to you. Like, who player of the year first? Who have you who have you went for and why? So there was a, I think realistically, for me there was probably three, three players that had serious consideration. So first of all, McGregor. I think he had another brilliant season. Can't remember many mistakes from him. Big save in the, the old thumb just at New Year at Parkhead. He's been really consistent in Europe, especially. Um, just absolutely brilliant so he was my first consideration my next one uh, Alfredo Morelos we obviously know how good his form was before the turn of the year just everything we done well Morelos was a part of it so I I think he would have got the vote if he'd continued continued his form over the the full course of the season, but unfortunately you don't get given player of the year uh, at the end of the year. So um, my, my choice was Ryan Jack. I thought he was absolutely superb. He really, he was one of our best players. And when Jack played well in the majority, the full team played well. He was so vital. And when you took him out, you knew he was missing. I thought he added a lot more going forward this season as well. Gave us a few goals. Um, his leadership 
was fantastic. I know a lot of people talk about Ryan Jack should be captain. I think it, when you do need to give it serious consideration, at very least vice captain. I think he offers more than Goldson in that area. Um, passion for the club, second to none. So I, I'm going to go Ryan Jack for my choice. So that's a vote for the Ryan Jack. Ian, do you have MD different or? I did. I I had one other player who I considered, uh, and that was Borla Barisic. I thought he he had a really good season. He was definitely our most improved player um, compared to last year. And you know he just did a like it was the same as Morelos, where he had his first half of the season. The, the two of them like working together was a brilliant combination for us. Uh, but I ultimately went for Morelos as my player of the year. The first half of the season he had was just phenomenal. Um, scored 29 goals in half a season. Um, and then when we came back in January, nobody done anything. So I think you, you pretty much have to just consider the first half of the season. Uh, we played with what, mid-January to mid-March. So we're back for two full months and, and we were rotten. So... I only considered the first half of the season, and for me it just had to be Morelos. The goals he scored were just... If you took him out of that team first half of the season, we were useless. Scary scary thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a good point, uh, probably on Ryan Jack and Morelos, that it's hard to think of MD who didn't fall off a cliff after Dubai. Um, must be something in the water over there. But Craig, do you have MD different other than Ryan Jack and Alfredo Morelos? Uh, I went for Barisic. Um, just the improvement from the season before, like we've seen me glimpses of it, but he never really reached those levels. Uh, whereas this season, he's just got better and better um, throughout each game he was playing. Came up with big assists, Europa League, two at Parkhead, scoring three kicks. The winner at St Mirren got another couple of free kicks as well. Um, secured himself his first choice for Croatia at left back, so I went. I went for Barisic. I, I did think of Morelos at first, and I was instantly thinking the second half of the season means he, he doesn't deserve it. But uh, you actually think he probably done enough in the first half of the season to win it. Then um, it was just that good. If if he get the same numbers that he got from the first half of the season, but dragged out over the full season, you'd still be saying it was a brilliant season for him. Um, so I. <laughs> Hindsight maybe Morelis, but I voted Barisic. Okay, so for we're going to be a stalemate here uh, because I went for Alan McGregor. I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> when I ruled out the the other ones first. M- Morelis is the first one that comes to mind because you think uh, you think uh, when he was away to Porto and Warsaw and all the big games, but I think Morelis and similar to Ryan Jack. When they were poor, they weren't poor. They were awful, okay. And I think the, I think Morelos for somebody so good, his drop off after after January was massive. I, I don't know if it's because we expected more of them, but I think Morelos and Jack they just dropped off so much, and you noticed it more. So my my two considerations were Borna Barisic and Alan McGregor because I felt even after January. While the team wasn't playing well, they they weren't doing too bad. They were actually decent, and they were just playing fairly decent and and a poor team. 
And I think Alan McGregor's just done that to a higher level than Borna Barisic and Morelos pulled us out some holes with some tremendous talent time and time again, but Alan McGregor kept us in games every second week, you know, some of his point blank saves in Europe and domestically, that's why that's why I went for Alan McGregor. But Ian, you mentioned that Borna Barisic was a consideration and it would have been my second choice. So, any objections from the four of us to announce Borna Barisic as a gallant few player of the year? No, it was my number two as well. Um, so, I, I would have no objection to that. Okay. Are we sending him a mug in the post, Colin? Or? Yeah, Borna, if you, get, <laughs> if you can get in touch with the gallant few one uh, on Twitter, send us over your address and your best contact number. The mug will be with you within three and five working days. Perfect. So, <laughs> Craig, kick us off with your nomination for Young Player of the Year. Uh, I went for Aribo, or Aribo. I still don't know how you say his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, big Joe. Scott, how do you uh, pronounce it? <laughs> oh, don't ask him <laughs> he's the worst guy to go to for that <laughs> um, I, I just thought I think he played almost 50 games for his last season he's still early 20s and I don't think we've even scratched the surface with him I think he's got so much potential that he could really kick on um, but over the course of the season I've, he, he did have ups and downs but I, I've been impressed by him and I think he's only going to get better for us he still managed to score some big goals Um I won't mention him yet because we can talk about that in our goal of the season. But um, but I, I've been impressed by him. Uh, he's, I think he probably needs to secure a proper position in the pitch and decide where he's going to play because he's been moved around quite a bit. But we've seen him play, we've seen him play left back at some points and he still was doing well. Um, so he's versatile. He's just a big presence as well. So I, I've been impressed by him. So I went for him. It's mental that the second best left back in Scotland is an attacking midfielder in Joe Arrigo. You know, that's <laughs> bizarre. Um, my, here's my vote as well. I can't really add anything onto what you said, Craig, other than he just looks cool as fuck, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> put some swagger. He's the only football I've seen in Scotland in the last 20 years that dances past players. Like, honestly, it's. It looks as if he's got an iPod shuffle on. Right. <laughs> so, that's good for Joe. Ian, who have you got? Same again for me. thought, like, I mean, the other four players, for me, just, nah, none of them were better than Aribo. Yeah, like you said, he scored goals, as we'll come on to. Um, I do think he needs to maybe get a wee bit physically stronger. Um, I felt there was times where he got pushed off the ball and I don't know if that was maybe just because of his style that he's he's maybe a wee bit unbalanced so like when somebody does push him he's, he's off balance but I think get him in the gym bulk him up a wee bit and as Craig said find him a, an actual position yeah it's a great show so that's three for Joe Arebo. Scott, I can only presume with that haircut you've got, you went for Ryan Kent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, I've went for Joe as well. So, 
Yeah. I just every, everything that's been said. I think t- technically he's one of the best players at the club. I remember his touch against Celtic as well. It was just ridiculous, wasn't it? And made a breakthrough in an international scene as well, which is fantastic. He was man of the match against Brazil and scored. So I think it shows you how good a player he is. That's no luck, obviously. He's done it over a, a full season. Just keep the consistency up. I think you're right. He needs to bulk up a wee bit, I think. Maybe getting grips to the Scottish game a wee bit. A lot more physical than, than the English game. So, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. We've got a player in his hands. And we were obviously talk, we were talking last week about the left-back. I know what you're saying, secure a position. But it's another option to have a left-back if we don't want to bring a player for the sake of it. If we've got Barisic... Uh, Bassi and Aribo, you know, that's plenty of cover. If we need to use them there, we can. I think that's. Um, it, it, it was, it was a, the Braga game, he went to left back and he was turned into Roberto Carlos. It was amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's an option they have there. So his versatility can be an yeah. advantage as well. Also, he's never ideal giving them across the city any sort of compliment. But I think there's a lot of comparisons to Carl McGregor with Joe Arebo, just in what we were talking about there. So, Callum McGregor, it's, everybody's got their, your own opinion on him, but he has been a big player for Celtic, and we've been in the brunt end of that. But he, time and time again, he's played in the middle of the park, or off a striker, or on the wing, or left-back. I can see Arebo potentially falling into that, but as much as that is a good option to have, we need, we need to know where he's best at and try and play him there, but also remember that he, he's very talented and very adaptable and use that to our advantage as well. So, Bonner takes the play every year and wins the mug. Joe Aribo, you know, we don't have a kid section, so we'll send you a packet of Haribos. <laughs> same, yeah. same, same again. It's a goat for Joe. It's a goat for Joe. <laughs> so, Ian, the last... The last award, the Goal of the Year award, kick us off with what your thoughts were and what you went with. So, as I was going through the list on the Rangers website, I put one down, because I'd forgot about the goal I actually picked, and how I forgot about it, I have no idea. My first pick was Aribo away at Hibs, when it was that just about Christmas time. And, uh, it's like... It was just on the edge of the box and he fired it in the far corner. So that was my first pick. But then I, I went through the list and then I got to the actual goal and it was, it's got to be Aribo against Braga. And it was, he's, he's danced past half their team and then been calm enough to finish it. It's just, it's, you'd be hard pushed to find a better goal in the Europa League all year. There's an old cliche that you can't run through players, but Joe Arebo sent that cliche well out of the water. I've no <laughs> idea how he... <laughs> I, I've, I've watched it four times again today because I've picked that as well. That's two for that goal. I still don't know how he done it. It's unreal. Absolutely unreal. I, I agree with you, Ian. Scott, do you have anything different? I did, actually, yeah. I, I mean, that, that goal was brilliant. I think... To go, that's not because I cut my hair like Kent, but <laughs> Kent had two really good goals as well. Uh, first of all, the Hamilton goal. I thought that was that was a superb strike on his supposed supposedly weaker left foot, top corner. It was a really good goal. 
Kent's against uh, Celtic as well at Parkhead. I thought, I honestly think probably nine out of ten players, if that comes to you at that pace that Barisic hit that in, that goes into Rosehead. Like, that was unbelievable technique to keep that down and off the post. I think as well that the meaning of the goal as well was just such a big occasion. That was a really special goal throughout the season. I've went with Morelos's goal against Porto. So that was the one Ryan Jack went down the wing, put it inside. The way Morelos turned and finished that, I just thought it was unbelievable and such a big game as well against really European quality side. I thought that was special. Um, Is that the goal where it comes to him and he swivels? He flicks it up with his left foot and then volleys no, it with his left foot. I, I think it is. I, I don't know what foot it is, but he just sort of swiveled and he was already shooting when he was turning. Was just, it was unbelievable goal. Uh, that was a game we won 2-0 and Davis scored the, Davis scored as the well. next one. So I thought it was brilliant. And the approach play by Jack as well, because I think a lot of players would have just fired it in the box, but he actually knew where Morelos was and cut it back at the edge of the box. So I think that gets overlooked a wee bit, but I thought it was a brilliant goal and that would get my, my vote. You know, it's hard to argue with that goal as well. Again, similar to Aribo, the occasion and the opposition as well, and just absolute sheer talent. Well played, Alfredo. Craig, round us off with your pick for goal of the year. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list just now, and it's also oh, even though that any list goals are. Oh no, that, that's already picked. I know what that is. My my vote submitted. <laughs> um, but like you look at so like Barisic's free kick. Um, Defoe's finish against Hibs. Morelis' other goal against Porto as well. The away one was a brilliant team goal. Right. Um, Kent's at Parkhead was a brilliant team goal. I'm sure it started off the top of my head. I can't remember if it was Tav or Ryan Jack. Won the ball away down in our corner flag and we played all the way up and mm-hmm. that's when Kent scored. Even like Arfield strike against Hamilton and then he had another one against Kamarnock the other week but that wasn't a nomination. But I went for um, a rebel against Braga as well. It was just... It's a goal for nothing, and it's just a wee bit special, isn't it, for him to to get by that many players? And that's when and Ibrox just erupted because we were all pretty flat. And then Hadji got his his goal that even when Hadji scored, nobody was really thinking we're going to do anything. Maybe sneak a draw at best, but once once we got that second goal, the place just it was mental. Yeah, it's so it's another another goal for Joe. Another goal for Joe. So I don't I don't really know what we can give give him. As a prize or winning goal of the year, any suggestions? Um, a voucher for Scott Hodges hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Bob, this is getting shaved off right yeah. after. <laughs> yeah. So, player of the year, Bona Barisic gets the mug. Young player of the year, Joe Haribo gets a packet of Haribo and. Also, <laughs> goal will get his barnet chopped, and that'll be the last goal we see from Joe. Can <laughs> so, the transfer request? <laughs> so that brings us to a close for this week. All that's left to do is thank my three co-hosts, starting with the lovely Craig McAdam. Cheers, guys. The fantastic Mister Ian McCready. Cheers for having us. 
And Sweeney Todd himself, Mr. Scott Hodge. Get to for <laughs> <laughs> everybody listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 